The kingdom of heaven is like a woman who has built a wonderful life and then changes course dramatically. Kate grew up here in the East Bay, and she eventually settled in Wisconsin. She started a farm there, building it up until she was providing food for many, many families. And she didn't just literally feed them. She created a place there on her farm for connection, where people could come together supporting each other, relearning what it is to work with your hands and be in relationship with the land. The change came on a trip to California to visit her elderly mother. Kate came back as often as she could, usually a couple of weeks each year. But something clicked for her on this particular trip. Something, something inspired her to do the math, to estimate how many of these weeks she might be able to hope for still. It didn't add up to much. Even if her mother lived a good, long life, there just wasn't very much time left to enjoy each other, not at the rate of just a couple of weeks a year. This reality stirred deep in her heart. It seems that much is stirring in this slew of parables that we receive this morning. The, the parables are so short, they can be absolutely puzzling. As I dug into them on our Zoom Bible study on Monday, I found myself being pulled to one simple question. But what do they mean? For as long as these parables of Jesus have been retold, they've been surrounded by valiant efforts to, to figure out what the key is in, in a neat and orderly fashion, to crack the code on what everything stands for, and thus see how the story can shed light on our lives. We want to know what they mean so we can know what to do. But that's not how Jesus intended these parables to function. Sometimes, sometimes he is exceptionally clear. For example, when he instructs us to care for the poor or welcome the stranger. But parables serve another function. They were a common form of storytelling in his day, and they were a way, as biblical scholar Amy Jill Levine explains, to surface unasked questions and to reveal the answers we have always known but refuse to acknowledge. 
Parables are purposefully mysterious, challenging us with many different ways to enter in. One of these parables in particular left me frustrated and confused this week, that of the great pearl. So first of all, how could the kingdom of heaven be like a merchant? Merchants in Jesus' context, they were not seen as upstanding citizens. They were not revered or trusted. The word for merchant has a a rougher, shiftier connotation. It's, uh, It's tied closely to the word for exploitation. To the disciples, this merchant probably sounded like the type who convinces people to buy something they do not actually need at prices they cannot afford. And then this guy searches for fine pearls until he finds one absolutely astonishingly perfect one, sells everything he owns, and buys it. It doesn't make sense. It sounds like a poor business move and an even less practical life choice. At least the man who who bought the field with the treasure hidden in it could live on that land, maybe grow things on it. But a pearl? A pearl is not shelter. You cannot eat it. The merchant seems awfully foolish. Yet the kingdom of heaven is like when all this happens, Jesus tells us. How? As with any story that is only one sentence long, much is left up to our imagination, which may be the point. There's this one bit that doesn't come through in our translation, though, and I think it matters. We heard that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. But this is missing a word. It should read, the kingdom of heaven is like a person, a merchant. A person, comma, a merchant. Our translation jumps to him solely existing as a merchant, making that profession the whole of his identity. But there's something already there. God is breaking in when this person is living his life, doing the job he has signed up for. And then he sees something. Maybe it's what he was looking for, and... Maybe he didn't know that it even existed as a possibility. This person, this merchant, is looking for fine pearls to buy, presumably in order to sell them and turn a profit. Then this one pearl surprises him. He stumbles upon that which is more compelling than anything he's seen, and indeed far more moving than how he's been living all these years. He sells everything to have it. In doing so, as best we can tell, 
he then stops being a merchant. He is provoked by the beauty, pulled into discernment. And in that moment, he chooses a different life. He sheds the layer of this identity as merchant and returns to being simply a person. This is the epitome of a parable. These tiny mysteries that grab us, they're unpredictable, unanticipated. And even if we don't fully know what they mean, they can stir something in us. Levine, the, the scholar I mentioned earlier, she puts it this way. We might be better off thinking less about what parables mean and more about what they can do. They remind, provoke, refine, comfort, disturb. If I gather the courage to approach this one-sentence story this way, I'm called up short. Honestly, my first response to the merchant's decision is to dismiss it as foolishness. But what did he see? What longing did he unearth? How was he interrupted by God's brilliant light? As I go deeper, I'm forced to acknowledge that it may not matter if the parable provokes something that seems to be foolish or illogical. The kingdom of heaven doesn't deal in our economy of advancement and efficiency of image and profit, not even of sensibility. But what happens if we catch a glimpse of another way? What if we hear permission to freely chase that fullness of life? What would we exchange for it? What would we find? Hear another parable, friends. The kingdom of heaven is like when a woman, a farmer, living a fabulous and meaningful life, realizes that what she wants most is more time with her elderly mother. With tears and hugs and gratitude, with a heavy heart and with so much trust, my friend Kate made the choice to give up her farm in Wisconsin and move across the country to live with her mother in the East Bay. To be clear, her mother is not sick. She doesn't need care. That's, that's not why Kate moved back. Instead, it's that Kate came to fully appreciate, humbly and, and also beautifully, that she and her mother are both finite. That if those couple of weeks a year weren't going to be enough, something would have to change. Kate has found new work that she enjoys even if it doesn't contain all the adventure and wonder of running a farm. 
This move has not been an all-encompassing sacrifice. And still, my sense is that it was a monumental decision. Kate stood between these two good lives, both full of potential, and she chose the unexpected path. It was a decision that not everyone understood. The kingdom of heaven is like when we are living our lives as we have mapped them out and then stumble into something more beautiful, more awesome, more whole than we could have imagined, and we actually decide to pursue it. When we do do so, even when it may seem foolish or impractical to folks on the outside, but we choose it anyway because we have met God there. The kingdom of heaven is like when we are utterly surprised by a mystery, a beauty, a truth, and allow it to provoke something new in us and respond. 